Welcome to Your Great Story Podcast, where we chat with founders, leaders, and changemakers to learn about their journey to make the future a reality. I'm Eric, your friendly host. Follow us on where you are tuning in or find us on any social media channels to catch highlights and snippets of our episodes. Let's be inspired by the stories while you create your great story. All right, a very warm welcome to Your Great Story podcast. This is part of the NOCA series where we revisit those who went through the NUS Overseas College program and went on to chase their passion of solving hard problems through starting up. And today we are very excited to have Felix Tan with us. Hi, Felix. Welcome to the show. Hi, Eric. Thanks for having me. Very excited to, you know, to, to talk about what we are going to discuss today. Awesome. So Felix is the co-founder of very interesting startup, Skilio, and we are here today to unpack his journey of starting up and also have him share his experience after the NUS Overseas College Program. Felix, let's start this episode with you letting our listeners know more about you. On to you, Felix. Yeah. So hi, everyone. I'm Felix. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Skilio. Uh, Skilio is a skill-based hiring platform for Gen Zs. So we help those between 15 to 24 land a job with their skill sets, you know, instead of looking at traditional indicators like, you know, your resumes, uh, what kind of school you come from or what grades you had in school. Yeah, so that's what we do. Awesome. Nice. So it's more about skill sets, right? Share with us a little bit more of when you started Skillio. Yeah, so I actually started this when I actually entered NUS in my year one. So a fun story is that I joined NUS because of NOC. So I heard about NOC when I was in junior college. Then I think it was during the National Day Rally, the Prime Minister actually talked about the NOC program. So that made me, you know, want to join NUS because of the program. And uh, I actually started Skillio when I was in year one because I was very passionate about the education space and solving this problem. And yeah, and I think uh, that's how it eventually got started and how everything got linked together. <laughs> whoa, 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 wait, wait, hold on. So you mentioned that you joined NUS because of NUS Overseas College when you uh, hear PM Lee shared about uh, probably a story of a startup that went through NUS Overseas College. And also, and you started this skill in your first year in NUS, is that right? Yes, correct, correct. <laughs> Tell us, share with us a bit more, right? So it's very interesting that you started a startup in year one uh, when you are studying. Share with us about that experience when you are journeying the three, three or four years in undergrad. Yeah, I think uh, it's a very, uh, I mean, when we all start out as a student, right, uh, we're all very hot-blooded, you know, ambitious uh, young person trying to, you know, solve something. For me, I think it was really in the education space, I wanted to, you know, look at how can we help to de-emphasize, you know, the idea of grades, right, you know, for students and really help them to understand that success can be you know, found in every place. And I think that was why I started Skillio. And, and initially, the idea was to basically be able to create a way to help students to track their soft skills. So things like leadership, things like teamwork, which was basically what, you know, a lot of the companies were looking for, for like younger candidates. So uh, we started off with that. And, you know, being students, you know, in school, we and with no experience of starting your own business, I think it was a very interesting journey because uh, I had to learn a lot of things on the fly, right? Like, you know, I'm an arts and social science uh, student, right? I'm like, how do I go about, you know, writing a contract? How do I go about doing a pitch deck or like, you know, a sales pitch to a client? And we are basically, at, at, when we first started, we were trying to sell to, you know, school leaders, right? And I'm like a student trying to sell to my teachers, basically. And they, a lot of them, they doubted our credibility, right? They were thinking that, oh, 
aren't you guys just a student project? Why are you charging me money, right? I'm like, no, we are not a student project. We are a company. <laughs> so it was all of these very mi- interesting micro moments, right? That really taught me a lot and then uh, really grow up, you know, learn a lot of lessons uh, as I started my own journey in school. Nice. Well, very, very funny uh, experience, right? Well, you're a student, you are sharing this thing with your teacher and they're expecting it to be free. It's a school project, but it's actually a business idea. It's a business, there's a business model behind it, right? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Just turn back time, you know, for maybe three or four years or even more than that, right? On your whole journey when you started in probably in Adam Cool, started from there. So maybe share with us from that experience, those experiences help you today in running Skillio. Yeah, so I would say that, you know, like uh, I, I started doing a lot of youth development work uh, when I was uh, 17. That was in my JC1, right? And uh, when I was in JC1, I was actually, you know, exposed to this thing called like youth facilitation. So basically, you know, you know, when you are in an orientation camp and you have your like facilitation leaders that help you to assimilate into the group and all that. So I actually did a few of these facilitation with like Adam Cool, with Halogen, and also with other organizations uh, like Reactor School. And I think that was the, the, the moment where it sort of, you know, gave me, you know, the passion, right, to really help other young people to succeed in their own ability or in their own skill sets. Uh, and I think that was when I sort of, it formulates me to think that, you know, I want to do something in this education space, but I still didn't know what it was. So back then, I, uh, I wanted to be a teacher. So uh, my plan was to, oh, okay, go to NIE and then be a teacher. But I think I discovered entrepreneurship and I think that was that moment where I was thinking, oh, can I maybe use entrepreneurship to actually make change within the education system? And I think that's how all of it came together. And when I was in year one in NUS, I was like, okay, maybe I should start something to address this problem. And that's how uh, the whole formative years of my education actually, or, or my life exactly, right, to actually lead up to this point. Nice. Wow. So I can really hear that you are very passionate in the space of youth, you know, facilitation and helping them to groom, um, as well as in the education space. And I think definitely a good way to really look at it is really starting something when you're in school, right? And also gaining experience, right, in school of entrepreneurship. Share with us a bit more on the program that we went. Just fun fact as well, I was also from NUS Overseas College back then about maybe about 10 years ago. And we can share with our audience here more about this program and how it helped you in your journey here. Yeah, so I had to caveat, right? So my NOC was during a period of the pandemic. So it was a very interesting experience. But for me, I did my NOC in Singapore. So I did uh, NOCSG. And a little bit of an uh, interesting fact as well is that I interned in my own company. <laughs> so I, I was basically NOC intern in my own company la, and I was my own boss. <laughs> so it was a pretty interesting experience for me. Yeah, good. I think that's a very smart way to do it, actually. On really, you are your own boss and you really kind of, uh, is in an NOC program while you are also running Skilo, kind of a, a win-win situation here, right? Yeah. Tell me more about the team, right? That, that is behind um, the wonderful idea of Skilo, right? Your co-founders. How, how do you meet them? Yeah, so I have two co-founders with me, right? One is Zihui and the other one is Jody. And basically, I met them, you know, when I was in year one, all from different places. So like, I met Zihui at an orientation camp in school, right? So she was like my orientation group member together with me in the same orientation group. And uh, I basically found that, you know, she was start, you know, she was about to start studying psychology in NUS. And she was also already doing some of these like youth facilitation kind of programs before she joined NUS. So I was like, oh, this is like a natural fit for what we're trying to do, right? In terms of the youth space and in terms of helping students to look at abilities beyond grades. 
So I, you know, invited her to join the company. And for Dodi, I actually met him at facilitation event that I was doing. So I was actually training a program and uh, he was my facilitator. And I was, and back then, he was still like a JC student. So he was, he was J2 and then he basically was learning coding on his own. And I'm like, isn't coding was, is not even an examinable subject for A-levels. And then he was like, oh, yeah, I'm just learning on my own and all that. And mind you, it was like three months before A-levels. So I'm like, wow. <laughs> So after his A-levels, when he graduated, I was like, okay, maybe you should join us uh, to look at our tech and all that. Lah. So it was very interesting how we all came together. But I think we all had the same belief around education, around how you know success shouldn't be defined by the traditional metrics, but really you know, to look at a more well-rounded definition of success. Hmm. So you mentioned the well-rounded definition of success. Maybe you can share with us what is your definition of success then, Felix? Yeah, I think like, a good analogy I'll give, I think this is something that, you know, you will probably see as a meme everywhere, right? Uh, there's this cartoon that, you know, you all are different animals, right? You have a fish, you have a, a monkey, you have a, a giraffe, uh, you have a lion, and that you get all of these animals to climb a tree, right? And that's basically what our education system is, right? You and We have different peoples of different ability, but we're getting them to do the same thing. And of course, the monkey will do better because they are naturally adept at climbing trees, right? But the fish can't do that, <laughs> right? The fish can't climb a tree. I think I subscribe to this analogy, right? It's because the fact that I think everyone's definition of success is unique to their own self. It's unique to their own story. It's unique to their own context. And I think if we were to place a similar or a standardized kind of metric, right, to apply it as a blanket to everyone, then it becomes, you know, a very pressurizing environment that we grow up in. So for me, my personal definition is really success is really what you set out, set it out to be, right? What you think, you know, is something that you are passionate in, is something that you believe that will make a difference in your life and in the life of others. And then, you know, pursuing it wholeheartedly. And it can definitely come in many forms, many shapes, many sizes. I'll say, I'll say, I'll say. I love the analogy of that, right? You know, like say changing to climbing a tree to swimming in a pond, and then the fish will basically win, right? You know, get it, right? And and those animals that can't swim will be should be struggling, right? Yeah, I think it really depends on also environment and everything. So really, really love your definition as well. Let's go back a little bit about the team, right? And also the problem that Skillo is solving. So did you gather the team first to solve or to find a problem to solve, or you find a problem to solve and gather the team like Avengers? So for me, it was the latter. So I actually uh, found the problem first before I assembled the team. So I actually started off as a solo founder. So I was already pretty involved in this education space. And back then, I was just coming off my internship with MOE as a teacher. And then I realized that, okay, maybe I didn't want to be a teacher because of some of the regulatory red tapes that I have you know, when I'm trying to innovate within the system. And I was like, okay, I want, what I want to solve is really how do we help students to be recognized for their different abilities? Uh, that was a problem statement that we had. And I think that's where was when I started to go and look for people who were similarly identified as a problem, similarly believe in the vision that success should be multidimensional. And, you know, then of course, those people who joined us, some even volunteered with us. Those who stayed, people who are really committed to it. And those who didn't are people who, I guess, you know, uh, they had their time and they, they contributed in their own capacity, but they don't see this as something that they will do for the rest of their life or the rest of the next two or three years. And I think that was how we, we started. I think we started the problem first 
and then finding people who also care about the same problem with complementary skill sets to you know execute on it. Yeah, yeah, nice. And something really struck me is that you are also on the ground as well, uh, and you kind of connect the people and really kind of com- coming in with the passion, right, of solving the same problem, right? It's not a, a some guy who can code or some guy who wants to to grow a big company, right? It's really solving that passion, right? The passion kind of drives you to solve the problem, right? That's great. So let's talk about the team that is solving the problem, right? And just to mention, I think the, the initiative that you're driving is really helping use to really highlight the skills and abilities. How do we know that you are solving the right problem? Or how do you know that you are seizing the right opportunities here? I think problems comes in various shapes and sizes, right? And I think there are very different frameworks to look at it. Some people talk about, oh, how big is the problem? Does this problem affect every single human being on, on the world, right? Or does this problem have a very big market, right? How many people are affected by the problem? How painful is the problem, right? So will somebody pay you to solve this problem, right? And some of these are some of these like considerations or factors that I guess a lot of startup founders use as a way to sort of um, a barometer to understand whether or not they're solving a important problem. But I think this kind of mindset could also be quite unhealthy, right? Because uh, if it's not an important problem, does it mean that we don't solve it, right? So I think maybe it's a bit of a contrarian thinking right here. Like, so for example, in the student space, right? In the student space, it's very difficult to make money because students seldom have the ability to pay. And that becomes that, oh, this is not a monetizable problem. So you can't really build a very, maybe a, a very big scalable kind of like startup in the student space, very difficult. So let's say in the ad tech scene, there's always the problem of who will be the paymaster, right? Is it the school? Is it the parents? Is it the students? And then if you are charging the schools, you know, how are you going to do that? So that's why, you know, education is a very, very interesting space to look at building a startup, a company, because it's unlike, say, fintech, it's unlike, say, other kind of industry where there's an obvious paymaster. But in education, it's very, very intricate, it's very different, it's very culturally tied to each country as well. And I think even though this might not comparing problems, say uh, education problem versus like a problem in the financial industry or in other industry, it doesn't mean that if this is a problem that is not as good as the other industry that we don't solve it, right? So I think on that note, I think there's two, I would say two things, right? One is that whether the problem resonates with you as a founder, right? whether it resonates with you to be solved. The second is really or not what aspect of the problem, like narrowing it down and see whether or not how many people will be affected and, and all these kind of things to help you make a decision. Got it. Got it. Yeah, interesting. I think I think what really resonates with me is also the problem you're solving is something they're passionate about. Right? It's not really about it's hard to get another Apple or Facebook, right? Or Meta or another uh, razor and another, you know, like this, another grab, right? To be honest, right? So I think, but what's important is really a meaningful problem to solve. And I think you are solving a very meaningful problem for the youth, right? And you mentioned a really, really, really big challenge, which is in education, it's unique in a way, it's different. It kind of is a little bit similar to healthcare, in fact, right? The users and customers are different. Those who are using it are not the one paying it. Right, is somebody else paying it? Right, if healthcare is the caregiver paying for it, or the hospitals paying for it for the medical equipments and stuff, or medical services, but in education, it's not the students paying for it. Right, it's the schools or the parents paying for it, maybe. Right, but how do you how do you really find in this kind of market conditions? How do you find product market fit? Right, I believe you are talking to maybe schools or even students. How do you find a product market fit? Make sure that you are your product is fitting and solving the right problem in the space. 
Yeah, I, I think in education, right, there's also another element, right, not just product market fit, but also like your product pedagogy fit, right? So whether or not your product also, I know, have a pedagogy element to help students learn better or to help students perform better or, you know, to basically help students succeed, maybe, right? So that's one aspect. So that's another, so that's why education is so interesting, right? Because it's not just about finding product market fit. It's also about finding, making sure that your product has a good pedagogy, there's a good education or learning outcome that you're trying to uh, achieve for the students or for the users of your, your product or your solution. And I think based on your question, like how do you actually find that? Uh, it's very, actually very interesting, right? Because a lot of times, good pedagogy doesn't mean good engagement, right? For example, pedagogically speaking, it's very important for students to reflect on their learning, right? And then writing it down or putting it somewhere, right? But translating that into like a product, right? Not many students will actually spend the time to go into an app to put in their reflection on their own. And then you need to find ways to engineer that behavior, like, you know, gamification or, you know, having streaks and things like that to do that. So that's very interesting how then you can try to look at different mechanics and different kind of levers to pull to ensure that you are able to have a balance, right? That you still have some form of pedagogy involved. There's also some form of, you know, engagement over there. But I think to answer a question really, I think looking at product market fit in education is very similar to in other kind of places. It's not just about looking at, say, revenue, but it's also looking at, say, things like user engagement, right? What's the learning outcome that you have for your idea or your product? Whether the users are engaging or solving that, getting that value or benefit from using it. Thereafter, do they come back frequently to use it again? So the retention part, which also is pretty familiar for a lot of these other companies in other spaces. So I think these are the two things. And the last thing will probably be referral, right? So do, do your user bring another user because they find the value in the product? I think these are the three kind of like key things that will sort of determine, I guess, uh, product market fit this space. Yeah, I like that. I like that you are calling out metrics. Uh, as a product manager, I'm you know, a fan of metrics, of course, right? Uh, engagement, retention, frequency of usage and all that. Just kind of dive a little bit deeper to the metrics, right? And if you could share as well in this episode of the business model, right? So what is the core metric of Skillo, right? Uh, and maybe is it, how do you monetize it or what is the business model behind it? Yeah, so for us being a Skillspace hiring platform, we basically look at a number of placements, right? As a indicator of, you know, what we are doing. And of course, you know, how fast we can do the placement as well. And I think these are the two main things that we look at. In terms of the business model, we actually do an income sharing agreement. So uh, students actually go through a program that we have and then they will basically, as part of the program, uh, use the platform and basically help them to get a job with their skills. And of course, uh, every successful placement, we share a percentage of their income. And this basically helps us to finance the business model. Interesting. So you have a network here, right, of basically hirers, right, companies who are hiring fresh grads probably, right? And you have students as well that are inputting their skills and abilities into Skillio, right? And there will be interviews kind of in between and all that, right? Okay, cool. Interesting. I love that idea. And talking about these collaborations and, you know, this network, right? How do you find the right partners or how do you find, um, how do you find Grab, right? To be the hiring company, right? That is hiring fresh grads from Skilo, probably. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, right? Finding partners and collaborators is the same as trying to find a co-founder, right? Uh, you need to have your collaborators and partners who also believe in the same vision or in the same kind of like, grander kind of like goal that you know that you have and i think when that aligns or when that clicks right it's a lot easier to discuss you will think that you'll find that you know 
agreements get moved faster, you know, people are they are willing to set up chats to, to iron out things quickly. And I think uh, similarly, in our context, we work with like, say, youth organizations that also believe in, you know, multidimensional kind of success, right? And uh, it's easier for us to then work together to, you know, channel students to each other and things like that. Say for like Grab, for example, or like say getting companies, right? So companies who are basically also believe in the idea that, you know, you know, hiring shouldn't be just looking at your paper credentials. Those are the kind of companies that will find what we do interesting because for them, they also believe in the same belief that, you know, hiring a good candidate is about what skills they can bring to the table. It's about what they can do rather than what they say on their paper. And I think similarly for students as well, then our pitch to them, our pitch to partners with people who, you know, believe that, you know, um, you sh- everyone should be given a fair shot at success. Everyone should not be discriminated by what school they come from or what grades they get in school, but really about, you know, what kind of person they are or what can they do. And I think uh, when those kind of value systems align, it's so much easier to do collaboration and partnerships. Nice. I love what you mentioned, which is the alignment of the underlying values um, system, right? Once that's aligned, everything else is easy peasy, right? I mean, like, it's definitely, there's less friction, right? Because we are all thinking the same way, talking the same direction, and at least that values is kind of built up already and aligned already. Cool, cool, cool. And speaking of which, right? I mean, having, I mean, you are a founder for a few years, right? If there's one biggest lesson you learned, right? Running Skilo, what is it? Wow. <laughs> there are so many lessons. Uh, it's very hard for me to pinpoint just one. But I guess I would say that, you know, to be really passionate about the problem that you are solving, because I think a lot of times uh, you realize that, you know, the solution can change, right? Because, uh, you know, it doesn't work for us as Kilo, we've pivoted so many times. But at the end of the day, most of the pivots are still solving the same problem. So the problem is the same, but the way you are solving the problem can be different. And I think knowing that and a deep focus on that is very important, especially for early stage, right? And uh, you want to be very clear, focus on the problem and who's the niche audience that you're serving and, uh, you know, just drilling and focusing on that. Nice, nice. I, I love that the problem doesn't change, the problem stays, but the pivots and the solutioning and the ideation goes around solving that, that core problem, right? Cool. Just maybe one step, one big step back, right, to the topic of NUS Overseas College, right? I understand that you are intern of your own company, but what is one thing that, you know, the whole NUS is, NUS Overseas College network uh, help you with in this journey of starting up? Yeah, I, I think because of the whole extensive network that, you know, NOC have built up over time in terms of the alumni, in terms of people who have went through it and built really successful companies, I think the network itself is very powerful, right? You know, being able to, you know, tap on mentors, tap on people who have, you know, went through it, uh, ask them for questions, ask them for a chat, understand, you know, what were some of the things that they have done wrong and they hope that they don't do it again. Right. And those still have to shortcut, you know, our own learning experience as well. And I guess also that not everybody, you know, should start their own company, right? At, straight away after they come back from NOC, right? And a lot of times it's about planting seeds. Lah. And I think when you have this kind of network and this kind of pool of people that are all going through this, have went through the same experience, it's so much easier to know that when you are looking to then start your own thing, there is someone or a group of people that you can, I guess, fall back on or get help from, right? It's like NS, right? All the guys go through NS and when you meet up, you meet up, like you just meet some random guy that you never seen before, but you're able to talk about your experience and you're able to form a deeper connection. And and I think uh, it's the same for NOC, right? And when you say that, oh, I was from this batch, you know, and say, oh yeah, I was 
actually five, six batch later, you know, and you, and you also about able to make connection, able to, you know, uh, use that as a way to get into certain conversations and things like that. Nice. I really, really love your analogy of using NS <laughs> because that really <laughs> helps me understand, oh yeah, you're from that unit, I'm from the unit, or, or you're from S, uh, Singapore, SV or whatever, I mean, from this NOC network. And I believe you have also have mentors in a way or, or references that you have in the NOC network. Care to share a few seniors uh, that you do reach out to for advice? Yeah, so I think like sitting from uh, Peach Pot, I think he went on NOC as well, you know, and there are a couple of many others. Lah. So, and I think a lot of them, they are people who actually, you know, just came back or like they were just like a few batch my seniors, right? But of course, the very first few batch, I probably very hard to know. And uh, yeah, actually, I also then met, I remember I met another guy, he, he is um, he's my coach. So he's, uh, he's the founder of 2359 Media. He sold his company and he is also from NOC. And then he was telling me that, oh yeah, he also started his business when he was in school. And I was like, wow, I didn't know. And But then because we, you know, we were able to have this kind of common connection of NOC, I think that, you know, helps really to, you know, form up that network, form up that relationship and really understand each other on a deeper level because there's something common that we have all went through together. And I think uh, that's a really good and nice thing to have always. Definitely, definitely. I think it's also this online network that I get to know you. Yeah. Right. We are, we are both alumni. If this, if I didn't go to uh, NOC uh, 10 or 11 years back, then I don't think uh, we will get connected in such a way and have this uh, series of the NMS Overseas College alumni. Cool. As we wrap up this series, just one last two questions, right? The second last question is this, if there's one word to describe experience, right, in this whole NMS Overseas College, what is it? Mm, I would say life-changing. Yeah. Do I have to explain that or do I? <laughs> no, all good. I think one word is key. Okay. I think that's important. That's, uh, that's uh, sufficient. And last question of this episode is, you know, there are a lot of listeners out there that's tuning in as well and they're starting out. They might be students. They might be uh, a few years in founding a company. What is one piece of advice you would like to give to these listeners who are hustling every day? Yeah, I think just do it, right? Uh, and, and I think don't give up when time is tough. I think there's so much romanticization of like entrepreneurship in the media that, oh, you know, uh, it's all rosy and everything is good, right? But, you know, it's definitely tough, right? And really, you know, hustle hard, you know, do your best. And even if it doesn't work out at the end of the day, you know that you have given your all, you know that you have learned from those experience. And yeah, then just go on to do the next one, right? Um, because the things that you learn from all of these experience uh, of starting your own company, it's something that you call your own. I have this mentor that tell me, right, that you can learn from the books, you can learn from attending webinars and hearing what people say, right? But the best experience are lived experience, meaning you have been through it, you have done that. And those are the kind of thing that, you know, books cannot teach you, webinars cannot teach you, you know, and those are experience that you call your own. And whether or not what you do with that experience, maybe starting a new company on your an, another venture, joining a new company, that's something that, you know, that's unique about you. Nice, 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 nice. So just do it. Experience it yourself. And I definitely you are experiencing yourself with Skilo. And with this 30 minutes uh, episode, thank you so much, Felix, for sharing your experience uh, with the listeners. Definitely, there are lots of things to unpack. Maybe we should come back part two to unpack why is it a life-changing experience for you during these few years, yeah? <laughs> All right. Thank you, Felix, for the time. Thanks, Eric. Thank you for tuning in to Your Grit Story Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. Chase your dreams, live out your passion, and discover your great story.